Welcome to the Weird Works Podcast. I'm Dr. Christy, your host. Join us for conversations about alternative and sometimes controversial healthcare topics. This podcast will provide the evidence that you need in order to make informed decisions about your health, to empower you with the facts that you need to advocate for your health, and to encourage you that there is hope your body heals. Join us from experts from all things weird, as well as the testimonies of people with stories of radical healing who were once told that perhaps their condition was a death sentence, that they would just need to live with it, or that drugs and invasive surgery were the only answer. Let's get into agreement that if there is something natural and non-invasive that could be helpful, that it could be your first option rather than your last resort. Hey everybody, it's Dr. Christy here. You are watching or listening the Weird Works podcast, and today I'm here with our guest, Robin Nemes, and I'm going to let her go right into how we know each other. Okay, thank you. Thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. This is so exciting. Um, well, I've known Dr. Christie for four years, since shortly after she came to the area. Um, I have lived in the area for 12 years, and for the first eight years that my husband and I lived here, I would periodically search the entire area. I live in nearby Amelia Island, so we would search Amelia Island and all of Jacksonville for a good practitioner. And it wasn't until four years ago that I came to a health fair over here in Jacksonville, and I was actually with a friend, and we had spent the day visiting various holistically uh, centered businesses in the area, including uh, a naturopath and um, functional medicine, and we came to the health fair and got a brief assessment with Dr. Christie, and we left, and we looked at each other, and we said, this is it? We found our healer? And we stayed. I love that. I remember that. I remember that day and I remember the event. So the reason why we asked Robin to come in and be a guest on the podcast is because I feel like your story really does represent what our listeners often themselves find themselves in for your story of radical healing, where there was probably a time in your journey where doctors maybe told you that there wasn't a whole lot of hope and that she had a condition that couldn't be healed. And I also feel like her story represents a story of persistent, you know, and one of determination and that human spirit and faith to continue to push on through. So that's why she's on the show today. So you kind of told us about meeting us at the health fair. Were there particular things that you were seeking care for at that time? Yes. Um, I had... Um... I had been experiencing a rash on my back for some time that was very uncomfortable and treating it topically, I had no idea what that was. And I also had a swollen uh, lymph node in the groin area. And several years prior to meeting Dr. Christie, uh, I had had another uh, swollen lymph node and went to a traditional physician who recommended surgery and biopsy and PET scan and perhaps radiation and chemotherapy if it should be problematic. So I went that path. I, I was very frightened. I didn't know what am I? I didn't know what my options might be. And so I had the surgery. I had the, the biopsy and the PET scan. And while results were somewhat inconclusive, it I was told that it was likely lymphoma and that I should go through uh, 
radiation and chemotherapy. But I'd been on a holistic path for a while by that time, and my intuition told me that was not going to be my path. So I did not do that, and but then I had a second lymph node to appear. So one of the first things that happened when I visited with Dr. Christie with both of those issues is that the rash presented as copper toxicity. And within a few weeks of a gentle detox, that was completely gone. It's not reappeared. And the swollen lymph node presented as congestion. And with a drainage supplement, that resolved itself. I've not had any more issues with that. Um, and my husband also had, he was suffering with uh, panic attacks and with racing heartbeat. And that was, um, that presented itself as adrenal fatigue. And with adrenal support, he is now balanced through any challenges in life. He remains calm and balanced. So we, we started off with resolving some issues that were very troubling for us. And over these four years, some other things have presented themselves. Uh, MSG toxicity at one point, uh, organs that needed support, and everything has been resolved. That's awesome. Which is important for people to realize, like, I don't know that with anxiety attacks that people realize that there are natural things that can be done. A lot of people get fast-tracked through the system and put on medication very quickly, right? That's one of the you know, anything like depression and anxiety meds are some of the top uh, prescriptions that are out there. But the lymph node thing, you know, that is scary, right? Very much so. So we're going to talk a little bit more with Robin about making that decision to go on a more normal or natural, I should say, pathway, because not everybody would do that, correct? Right. <laughs> Did people, red flags go up or people... Did you have anybody at that time who was kind of telling you you're crazy or you should listen to what they say, you should do all those things? I had so many red flags yeah. of that nature. Um, my friends looked at me like I had two heads. Um, I, the physician I was working with at the time with the lymph node just shook his head and he said, I would not recommend that. So those kinds of comments every time left me uh, dealing with fear. You know, middle of the night fear. Maybe I am making a huge mistake. But every time, I just that stronger voice would say, just listen to your intuition. This is not your path. This isn't your path. And I'm sure as we'll touch on a little while, I uh, had some experience prior to the issue with the lymph node that put me on this holistic path. So thankfully, I had a stronger voice than the fear voice. That's important. And we're, we'll talk to you guys about where where that strength of character comes from. Because in the midst of fear, it's not always easy to take a step back and slow down, you know, the course of action. A lot of times people just get fast-tracked through and lose their autonomy and they're not really asked how they feel about a diagnosis such as cancer. And then, you know, after the fact, a lot of the feedback that we get is they wish that they had researched things a little bit more thoroughly or knew what other options or therapies were out there. And she's head bobbing. For the people that are only on audio and not watching the video, she's over here shaking her head because she, you know, do you want to talk about that, reflect on what that was like for you? 
You mean initially? Yeah, like initially the discovery and the diagnosis. Sure, yeah. sure. So um, 22 years ago, mm -hmm. I was diagnosed with ovarian cancer and I w um, was terrified and uh, received a, um, a complete hysterectomy, but tissue samples that were taken around the area didn't show any spread of, um, of any kind of serious situation. So I was basically told to just stay under the umbrella of my oncologist, have a CT scan every so often, and there was no follow-up treatment recommended. So I, I, I would go back for those periodic scans, but I kind of felt like I was just put out to, <laughs> put out to my own little pasture. I was in a very rural area in Virginia, and I had no kind of other support. I was reading books. There wasn't a lot online 22 years ago. I would talk to friends, um, small health food stores, and try to keep, you know, keep, get my body back to wellness and then just go through the fear of going through scans periodically. So I was in that place for seven years, and then I had a recurrence. And this time it had spread to the kidney area. And I was um, very overwhelmed and frightened. And I felt like I was moved very quickly through the whole process. I was, um, I got the results of the, of the biopsy. I had surgery scheduled within a matter of days. And then I had chemotherapy to begin within a matter of weeks. I was barely out of uh, surgery mode when I was receiving chemotherapy and I was so overwhelmed and I didn't know what to do and I didn't have the support that I, um, I, I, it was recommended that I go through eight chemotherapy treatments. I went through three over a period of months, but by the third treatment, that strong voice was kicking in big time. And I, I'm a very visual person, and I, and I tell people sometimes, I look at it this way, it's like, you know, if this was vibrant health here, mm -hmm. I, was, I was here somewhere, I was imbalanced, I was, my body was challenged, my body was needing something it didn't have, it was definitely out of balance to get that diagnosis. After three treatments, I felt like with that toxicity, I was here. I was in, in I was in such a dark hole that I just and that little voice just said, You you will not survive this. Going through five more treatments, how will you ever fall out of this? And so um I told my oncologist that I appreciated everything she had done, but I would be um saying goodbye and I'm going on a different path. I did find a holistic nurse in our small area, and she worked with me. She she worked with um, therapeutic healing touch with me, and she worked with some gentle detox and um, nutritional supplements, and helped me quite a bit. So, but um, it was a slow crawl back. It was day by day going. I I feel a little better today than I did yesterday. I feel a little stronger and just trusting in my body to take over and do what I knew my body knew how to do, as long as I was giving it the right thing. So I was eating um, organic, fresh, local uh, produce, fruits and vegetables, as clean, my diet was very clean, I was moving my body in healthful ways, 
And slowly, slowly, it took about uh, five to eight years to get my blood work back to the place that it was at the diagnosis, wow. not up to vibrance, just back up to there, my thyroid function and my adrenal function. So it was finally, I could see that the blood work was improving. But I began to read more books like Louise Hay and Renee Brown and Pima Chodron, and I began to understand the emotional component with this situation as well. And I, from childhood, I had dealt with some anxieties about not measuring up in some way that could get triggered for me. I was more emotionally guarded. Um, I had some issues around uh, fear of vulnerability. And at the time of my second diagnosis, I was dating uh, the man that I ultimately married. And when I received the diagnosis, his first words were, uh, what do we do? What do we do? And there was something about that that just started to break open. All that part of me that wanted to stay guarded or wanted to feel like if you really knew me, he would not stay, you know, there's these pieces of me that aren't real, you know, acceptable in some way. And I really began to work on emotional healing and I began to work on spiritual and mental healing and working with gratitude and um, just my thoughts. Whenever some thought would appear like, uh, I'm never going to get better, it's like, no, we're not listening to that voice. Thank you for that thought. Thank you for taking care of me, but the thought I'm going to choose is that I am going to be in vibrant health. And not, maybe not there today, but I'm going to be there. And just working with mental and spiritual kinds of thinking. Um, when we moved to Florida, I, at the time, I still thought, this was 12 years ago, I thought perhaps I should have an oncologist in my corner just in case. I still wasn't quite there. So I went to one oncologist and he recommended to me that I get my affairs in order wow. after looking at my charts. So I said, well, thank you. <laughs> and I left. And I tried a second oncologist who was recommended and he said he would take me on as a patient if I would agree to have a CT scan every three months. And I remember looking at him and I said, you mean in order for me to attain health and wellness again, you would like to irradiate me in that way four times a year? I just, it, I, was, uh, I was just amazed at that. So it was the same thing. I thanked him for his advice, but told him we were not going to be working together. Not a good match. No, and I didn't seek an oncologist anymore. I started on the search for holistic support, and again, I was cobbling together uh, online research books, friends, health food stores. Um, I would try certain practitioners who worked with acupressure and um, you know various kinds of uh, modalities like this. But it really wasn't until I came over here to help by design. And this is so perfect for me because I feel like I'm wired to heal emotionally. I'm such an emotional person, and that's one of the reasons I struggled emotionally. I'm very sensitive. And so working with emotions and spirituality and mental 
the way I think, that is something that comes naturally to me. Um, knowing how to keep my body in balance is something I need help with. Because I had no symptoms when I was first diagnosed. I was hiking two days before I received the diagnosis. I was playing music with my friends. I had a bit of swelling. I had no physical symptoms, no idea that I was struggling with, with that. So what we've been able to do here is um, there was a time when my kidneys needed support. There was a time when my tonsils needed support. Um, there, there have been small intestine needed support. And so anything that shows up with nutritional response testing, it's supported and it's brought back to full functioning. And so I don't have that fear that something's going to crop up because I know my body is functioning as optimally as it possibly can. So that has been the missing link to be able to find that kind of a balance in my life. Because it is balanced and there is a woman, and I'll have to get the actual uh, reference. She traveled the entire world studying people of radical healing. And in a lot of cases, they were stage four cancers that had already metastasized. And she asked all these different people across the world what they had done to get well. And there was a list of eight to 10 things that they all had in common. You know, because they're across cultures and right. access to healthcare across the world. Of course, there was a lot of variety in what they did, but she boiled all that information down to 10 most common things. And of the 10, only two were physical medicine, right. meaning diet, lifestyle, supplements, exercise. The rest were all more of the mind body, your self-talk, what you say to yourself, who you surround yourself with in your support circles, you know, the spiritual health, having purpose. And so we know that component is huge. So I love that you say that. Because it's easy to give up, right? When we focus on the physical limitations of the body, when we're in fear, or when we have something structurally wrong with the body, it's easy to kind of cyclone down, right? So was there ever a point where you felt like you were giving up, or was it just so ingrained in your natural, you know, mentality and the way you think about the world and your body that you could overcome it? You know, I don't think there was ever a time when I uh, felt like giving up. I remember even when I got the second diagnosis, I remember calling my cousin and um, telling her the biopsy was positive, but 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 I didn't feel I didn't feel like it. You know, it was a death sentence or anything like that. It was just a challenge to be addressed, and I was going to to do that in the best way that I knew how. Um, so I didn't really feel like giving up, but the, the, the one thing that plagued me the most was fear. I was so afraid, especially in the night when I, when I didn't have other things going on, that fear would come and I would get up in the night and just, you know, read, um, something or do something that would help me a little bit practice deep breathing, do some yoga stretches. I felt like I was dealing with fear all the time because it felt like such an unknown with I think the fact that I hadn't had any symptoms the first time at all so I felt like it was such an unknown what was going on in my body what might be going on in my body that I was completely unaware of and that thought would come to me in the middle of the night what if what if there's or if I had a symptom if I had a little 
felt like I had a mild fever, or I didn't feel the best, or anything else that was going on in my body that didn't feel exactly right. What if this could be what, you know, the what ifs would come. So I didn't really, I didn't give up. I struggled a lot with fear until I was able to put together a plan and I, um, I don't feel that. I don't feel that anymore. Okay. I feel very, um, I feel so excited about my life and what I'm doing now. I just celebrated my 70th Yay. birthday a few days ago. And I, um, I just, I feel so excited about what's coming in this next decade and the things that I, that I do now, the new things that I want to do, the new things like a podcast, which I've never done before. Yay, see, you're still <laughs> growing and having new experiences. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. Well, good for you to overcome that. And what do you think, you said the plan, having a plan was the biggest component of being able to release that fear? Is that yeah, um, I, brought, I actually brought this journal. I today. love this. Um, you guys are in for a treat. I love to journal. I, I teach, um, I facilitate. Um, creative wellness type uh, journals and um, I for example I'll show you one before the other but I know you can't see from here but I, do, I did one on uh, sensitivity because I've always told myself I am so sensitive really? I am so sensitive oh why am I so sensitive why does that hurt so much and and I journaled on it, and it's like, this is my superpower. Don't mistake that for some kind of weakness. That's my superpower. I it's love sensitive. it. And uh, so I turned that completely around, you know, better hurt than hardened always in life, you know, and I'll take the hurt over the hardness any day. So I, I journaled over something that it always felt like a weakness to me, and it no longer feels like that. But the I think the thing that... Um, that keeps me the strongest mm -hmm. is learning about energy vibration. And I'm sure, I know Dr. Christine knows all about that yeah. because that's what she does. But um, um, for anybody watching, everything in the universe is composed of energy, has energy vibration. Even rocks vibrate very slowly. Human beings vibrate and, and we can vibrate very high when we're a place of joy and gratitude and love and appreciation. Mm -hmm. And we can vibe very low when we're in a place of um, chronic resentment or other negative feelings that are just pulling us down. Not that we don't all balance between us, but then every emotion is valuable. But it's staying in that place of resentment for a long time and just in not coming up here to appreciate even the lessons, even the hardest lessons, you know, and what we learn from that. And just, I think my um, prayers oftentimes are prayers of gratitude. Thank you for this hard day. Look what I learned. And I'm not going to make that mistake again. Or thank you for this beautiful morning on the beach. It's just these prayers of gratitude that just come so naturally now. But one of the things that I, um, I think if there's two words that describe my healing, it's high vibration. And there's many, many ways you can have a high vibration. I know, again, you can't see this, but I've just written all around this circle all the things that keep vibration high, and that's the speaking your truth, being authentic, eating high vibration foods. Um, fast foods vibrate very low. 
You are but what you broccoli eat. vibrates yeah. very, very high in other whole foods. Uh, dancing, spending time in nature, getting plenty of sunshine, uh, playing or lifting, listening to uplifting music, high quality essential oils. It goes on and on. Spending time with people who lift me up, other people with a high vibration. If I focus on high vibration, which includes what goes into my body, the foods, and the thoughts, not doing junk foods, not doing junk thoughts, um, that keeps me vibing high. And that really is keeping me feeling energetically strong and up for life and up for all the things that, uh, that interest me in my life, looking for, for new avenues to explore. Yeah, I love it. Do you guys, do you want to share, sorry, not you guys, you, do you want to share with the listeners how you learned a lot of this stuff about food, the vibration of words, you know, the, um, just your thoughts and the power of all of that? Are there some resources that were most helpful for you when you were learning these techniques? Um, there were a lot mm -hmm. of resources that I used. I actually walked into my first health food store when I was 25 years old. And I became passionate about whole grains, organic fruits and vegetables. And I always had a relatively clean diet. So when I received the diagnosis at the age of 48, a lot of my friends and family members said, this doesn't make any sense. We're the ones that should be getting the diagnosis. We're the ones that smoke or the ones that eat. And, and I went through a lot of that feeling betrayed. It's like, kind of like my body had betrayed me. I've been eating a really clean diet and still this came my way. So it was a while before I got the emotional, physical, emotional, spiritual and, um, and mental component to this and really began to heal that and looking at vib vibration. A lot of books, helped me. I read books on energy healing like Donna Eden, which helped me understand energy vibration. Louise Hay has been a tremendous help to me to understanding that um, an emotion that's blocked or stuck in the body uh, can create illness and particular kinds of illness. I, would, I read a lot on energy, energy healing there for a while and that helped me energy and Brene Brown, very helpful, working with shame and what feelings of shame or regret can do in your body. Those are all great references. I'm familiar mm -hmm. with all of those and have read a bunch of the same um, and studied a bunch of the same materials, and they're very good. Like, there's a book that we have upstairs in the waiting room, and it's called um, Feeling Buried Alive Never Die. And What's interesting about it is like you were talking about the ovaries are related to a certain energy center and then that energy center also would represent particular emotions. And so it has a reference where you can look up if you have tension headaches or you have something wrong with your teeth or you have something wrong with your breasts or your gut and it tells you what the locked emotions related to those issues are and then there's a section to help you start to write positive affirmations to flip the script from the negative emotions to the positive and so that's really what robin's talking about she figured out after 
I like the word cobbling. You know, you had to do all yeah. the work and the research and the learning and put it together and do a plan that works for you. And that ultimately is what helps you feel confident in your body. Right? Yeah. yeah. And that is an amazing resource, that book and another mm -hmm. one called Permission to Feel. Mm -hmm. I would read those books and I just I would just look up from reading and go, oh. It was just these aha moments. Mm -hmm. I get it. That makes such sense to me. Yeah. So my next question is just about how did you decide to continue living a healthy lifestyle? You talked about the future and what you're excited post 70 and the next decade and all the new things. But um, kind of what do you do today? What does a day look like for you? What are some of the practices that you keep in place as far as your food or shopping or practitioners? You talked about you know, the daily check-in with your energy centers and positive sure, vibes. Sure. I like the positive vibe thing. Yeah, yeah. So I, I kind of do the check-in with the, the whole chakra system because they, they all relate to certain uh, emotions in your body. And um, I do a yoga practice that includes some Tai Chi. And I'm actually working toward level two as an inner uh, emotional freedom technique practitioner. And that is, uh, if you're not familiar with that, it's uh, sometimes called tapping. And it's basically tapping on the acupressure points mm -hmm. as you work through emotions that come up in your body so you can help them to cycle through and release those emotions. It could be something you said or did that you wish you hadn't said or done mm -hmm. with someone, or it might be a fear or an anxiety about something in the future, and you can just, uh, you know, you tap on that and you work with that. So. I've done that for many years, and I do that daily. I start my day with an organic white tea. I don't drink a coffee anymore, which is something I wasn't sure I could ever let go of. That's hard for a lot of people. <laughs> um, but, but I did, and, and that's made a tremendous difference in my life, and I don't even uh, crave or want that like, anymore in the mornings. I have a smoothie every morning that has some... Um, a lot of different um, healing ingredients in it, beginning with the with the harmless coconut water, which is the, the kind that I trust. I I'll have a protein and vegetable breakfast, and just I my meals are really very simple: sautéed vegetables, um, seeds, soups some simple casseroles, foods that I kind of cobble together my meals too with mm -hmm. different things that I have. And it might be kind of a mishmash. It might be squash and pumpkin seeds and a boiled egg or something that nobody else right. would put in front of them. But it's just what's in the fridge and I'll, I will kind of cobble that together. I, uh, I take a walk on the beach or I go for a bike ride every day that I possibly can. And if I can't do that, I put on a video and I dance or I hula hoop in the house. I, I do rebounding, which is very good for the thyroid, um, for adrenal function, for lip drainage. I do that every day. Um, skin brushing, which is really good for the lip system. Um, gosh, I, um, I usually spend a little time reading, some quiet time reading. I don't watch very much TV. I do a little bit on my computer but not a whole lot. I uh, try to avoid electromagnetic um, radiation as much as I can. And I try to get fresh air and sunshine mm -hmm. as much as I can every day. 
and mainly trying to live in trying to live in gratitude, trying to think about who might need me, reaching out in some way. I had a an aunt that I was very close to, Aunt Emma was her name. And she gave me a card one time that said, the power to lift up is greater than all that holds us down. And I think that's kind of become a motto for me. If something is holding me down, then who can I lift up? That always lifts me up to lift up someone else. I can write a card. I can call somebody. I can do something like that. So that's often a part of my day. That's beautiful. So good thing I'm somebody else can kind of get you out of your own thoughts too, right? Definitely. And Definitely. Like she said, like, prayer and gratitude, it is impossible. They've scientifically proven it's impossible to be fearful or resentful or in a bad mood. If you smile, you can kind of trick your brain chemistry, and if you're, if you are, are grateful, if you're giving thanks. That's right. Those are the biggest ways That's to right. get out of a negative That's emotion. Right. So she's got it. You guys, she's got good information. I guess I want to ask you too, because a lot of people think, oh my gosh, she's doing so many things that I'm not yet doing. Like somebody who hasn't started their health journey might find all of this very overwhelming, like eating nuts and seeds and, you know, having a spiritual practice and even just sometimes taking on a consistent exercise practice. So would you say to people that it's sustainable what you're doing? It is so sustainable, but I think the important thing is small changes. You're not going to go from, you know, from here to here in one day. It's, it, we, my husband and I both have made small changes over time. We made, we made the choice to get a, um, to get a water system that would filter out fluoride and chlorine. So that was a shift from the kind of water that we were drinking. And that was a relatively easy shift. So now our water is, is cleaner. I um, I have slowly built up what I do with Tai Chi and yoga in the mornings, uh, just from, again, cobbled together from videos and from classes and things that I feel like are best mm-hmm. for my particular body. That's built over time. The I have uh, books now of, of recipes. I actually photograph my food. I love photography, so I photograph my recipes and I type them up because I almost always adapt them. I'll add seeds or I'll add grated lemon rind or something like that. So I'll put in far less sugar if there's any sugar at all or put dates in there instead of any sugar. So I've adapted these recipes and I'll type them out and I've, and I've got those. But that the, these things don't happen overnight. It's just... I'll learn about a breath work practice, and I start doing that. So it's baby steps, really, baby steps. And back 22 years ago, about the only thing I had going was my diet was relatively clean. But I realized there were things I was choosing that I needed to make changes. So I would slowly make those changes, but I was often one change at a time. And I get used to that change. But over the years, over 22 years now, I've built a practice that feels very, very normal and very supportive to me. But if someone had told me 22 years ago, these are all the things you need to be doing, it would have felt completely daunting. Mm-hmm. I, I would have, you know, that just, it doesn't happen that way. 
but just just honoring and being grateful for every small change and everybody's path looks different. Mm -hmm. It could be just developing a gratitude practice can be huge without doing some of the other things that I'm doing. So uh, I just I just love the whole process of being as holistic as I possibly can be. I uh, I love poetry. I love Mary Oliver's poetry and the and her her poem about this one wild and precious life. It's what I have, mm -hmm. and I've been so blessed to have seventy years. And I would love to be hiking mountains when I'm 99 and beyond. And so because I see that kind of future, um, and I don't talk about aging in negative ways. I, sometimes I hear people, seems like particularly women, talking about aging in a way that um, it's like, oh, you know, we're 72, what do you, you know, it's like, I hear that a lot, um, people say, maybe it's just my age, maybe it's like, just my age, you need to refute that and take that vocabulary yeah, out of your mouth, that, that vocabulary is completely gone, I, um, I had a, my grandmother was uh, baking bread when she was 105, I don't think she ever had a thought like that, like I'm old or anything, um, it's just, it's such a state of mind, and I, and I think just, taking care of this precious gift of this body in the best ways that we all know how without, without in that social comparison of any kind is just, that can be so harmful. So, you know, for me to look at um, someone who, like Dr. Christie, who's doing workshops all the time, for me to go, gee, I wish I was doing that, you know, that wouldn't, that wouldn't help me on my path any more than it would help somebody else to say, gee, I, I'm not eating like that, I'm not doing yoga. Um, just just be on your own path and love your own life and be grateful for what you have and be open to making small changes. One at a time. They're cumulative too. The things yeah. that you're doing, little by little, have a cumulative positive effect. So over the course of months, days, weeks, years, you know, the impact is gonna be great. One thing that we talk, one quote that kind of has been in the back of my mind while you've been talking about your journey is that oftentimes people are surprised. Like there are times when people are doing seemingly all the right things and then a health crisis starts to come up and they're kind of overwhelmed or surprised or even like you use the word, you know, confused about the whole thing. Like how could this kind of a thing happen to me? And what I want everybody to realize is that like Robin had already had an interest in healthy food. And so you have to know that we're not invincible, we're human. You know, our structure will fail eventually. And what we have to know is that all the things that we are willing and capable of doing and that accumulative impact of that, what we know is that if you are somebody who eventually has a diagnosis or maybe have to reach into the traditional medical world, at least temporarily to get them out of a crisis, what we know is that you'll at least get the best of outcome of whatever that has to offer you and have the confidence to know that you did everything that you were willing to do and that we know that people's long-term recovery is far better than people who weren't incorporating some of the techniques that Robin discussed with us today. So I think that is important. Definitely. Well, I, I brought it on here because I think 
that we really want to help people be excited about the fact that there is hope. It's a, that's right in our waiting room. There is hope. Your body heals. And when you start to witness people like Robin and her journey, what better, more miraculous example of the body's ability to heal and overcome sometimes even devastating things than beating ovarian cancer? So I thank you for sharing your story and your journey with us. I think it's going to reach a lot of people and give them hope and give them some bite-sized things that they can start incorporating, right? Um, so thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. So this has been a very informative conversation. Thank you so much, Robin. And that's it for today. We'll put some links to some of the books and resources that Robin and myself mentioned so you guys can start to find what you like and what works for you. And like she said, just start small. Find a couple of things that are like easy to incorporate that would rock your whole world. Maybe don't cost a fortune to start. And what I know is that once you feel the results, that will then propel you to take the next step. And before you know it, like Robin, these things become ingrained in her daily habit. And I highly doubt you could ever foresee yourself going backwards at this point, right? I could never. And I think that the last thing you said is so important because the more you do mm -hmm. to support your health, the more energy you have to do something else. Your right. energy increases. And so when you start small, you know, that's what you can do. But then your energy starts to increase and you have the energy to do something maybe a little bit and to keep going, but I, I, uh, I could never, I could never go back. That, that would feel so odd to mm -hmm. me. I think that you know that whole thing with weird, weirdness is, um, you know, going back to, going back to any of those things. That would be the weird. Right. Now. That and that's why weird. we said like weird work. So people listening might think that all the eating nuts and seeds and clearing your energy systems and nutrition response to things, you mentioned chakras, these things some you know, people aren't informed on or haven't been exposed to might seem like the weird, but that's exactly what works. So those are the other alternatives. So you're right. We think that the norm <laughs> now is weird has become the weird. Yeah. And that's the second half of weird works that we acknowledge the weird or just that it's the unusual, it's not mainstream is really what weird is, but it does work. There is a lot of validity in some of the things that Robin shared with us today. There are physicists, even in scientists, who have proven all the work in all the energy medicine realms and how it works exactly with physics. So the stuff isn't real woo, it's just that people don't know about it. And so the weird works motto came from, we just acknowledge and embrace the weirdness. There's a reason for it when traditional measures aren't the only answer for you or you haven't gotten answers in that realm. But the weirdness soon fades away because it does work. And once the testimony comes, you know, you don't really care what it took to get you there when you're talking about being ovarian cancer in this case. That's right. So, yeah. yeah. And that's natural. A little bit of skepticism is natural. I would just encourage you not to allow that initial skepticism of the unknown or something that you haven't yet been fully introduced or educated on to um, deter you from getting answers because we know the body does heal. All right. Well, thank you, Robin. This has been Thanks. fantastic. I hope it's been helpful for our listeners. And I'm going to be signing off today. This is Dr. Christie. And in good health naturally, we'll talk to you next time.